Hi everyone, my name is Michael, and I'll be reading uh, from Romans 5, verses 12 to 21. So yep, just uh, open your Bible or follow along on the screen with me. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account uh, where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, uh, the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass, uh, so that the trespass might increase, but, but where sin is increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks, Michael. Hey, guys, I'd love to share with you a story of the worst birthday party of my life. Uh, It was my friend Michaela's 21st birthday party, and I thought, you know what, this is a special event. So I put my finest pair of thongs on. And as I got out of the car, um, I opened the door, took a step, and I heard that sound that you don't want to hear, which was the snap of my thongs falling apart. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to have to enter this party bare feet. So I walked in, and I went up to Michaela and said, hey, Michaela, happy birthday. Hope you have had the best day. How's your party going? And then Michaela's sister was really, really confused. Thought, why would you say happy birthday to me? Michaela's over there. There was also an accident that I will not comment on involving me being maybe a bit overzealous with a croquet mallet and some super glue that will have been needed afterwards. Now, at this party, I did not give my friend the respect uh, that they deserved. I did not give that friend the honor that they deserved as the person who invited me. I was unfit to enter the party in the first place because of the broken, song, broken thongs. I had this case of mistaken identity as I mistook the person of honor with anyone else, and I wasn't respectful with the possessions that I have been entrusted with. Today, uh, we are going to be thinking about humanity. We're going to be thinking about how we are fallen and broken and corrupt before God. How we are unfit before we start, how we have a case of mistaken identity, and how we do not give respect, just like at this party. We're going to be thinking particularly in Genesis verses 1 to 3 and in Romans chapters 1 through 5, and we're going to be trying to understand about what it is to be human. We're going to be working out the answer to the problem 
with all humanity. We are made in God's image, which is a very good and a very beautiful thing, like we saw last week. Uh, We saw that God has created, that the Creator God has created you. He has created me. He has created all of us to be in His image and to represent Him. Uh, There is dignity, there is value, there is beauty, there is care that is given to each and every one of us as God's image bearers here on this earth. We see this in chapters 1 through 2 of Genesis, which we looked at last week. Everything that comes next is in the context of this beauty that has been given us by God. And we need to remind ourselves this because from chapter 3 of Genesis onwards, everything falls apart. We take the image that God has given us and we twist it. Humanity takes the glory with which it is bestowed and taints it. And the dignity that has been given to all people is abused. Today we are speaking about sin. We're speaking about sin and we're going to head back to Genesis chapter 3 now to have a think about what this is, why it's here and how it affects us. So Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. How heartbreaking. How heartbreaking this is. The moment that Adam and Eve reach for that fruit is the moment that we are all doomed. As they reached for that fruit, they chose to reach to choose themselves rather than to choose God. They reached for the possibility to dictate what is right and what is wrong. They reached for a switch that flicked off the relationship that they have with God. God created his people with a really clear directive. Do whatever, but know that I love you and know that I care you and know that I trust you. Just please don't eat from this tree because you will die. Knowing what is good and evil, choosing what is good and evil will lead you to die. Please don't do this. I care for you. But for humanity, the fruit was pleasing to the eye. The fruit looked appealing. The fruit would empower humanity to do whatever they want, whenever they wanted, to choose to be good, to choose what would be evil, and so they took it. And this is sin. Sin, that is choosing to reject God and live for ourselves. Sin, that is deciding we are team self instead of team creator. We're going to spend a bit of time thinking about this uh, as we work through the Bible, because Even though sin comes into the world at Genesis chapter 3, on every single page you will see sin. 
you will see people choosing to live for themselves. And you will see the consequences of this. And yet, despite that, you will see God being just and patient with us. Here's some of the language that uh, God uses of sin throughout the Bible. Just a few chapters after chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 6, we see that every inclination of the human heart was only evil all of the time. It's not a particularly beautiful statement, isn't it? Um, throughout the Old Testament, we see a lot of words, but these are, some, these are three key words that describe what sin is for us. Firstly is sin, that is missing the mark or not living up to a standard of perfection uh, or being unclean. Next is iniquity, being wicked or crooked or twisted. And next is transgression, that means breaking one of the laws or being in revolt or revolution or rebellion against God. Each of these are different descriptions of what sin is, and these aren't just cool words that we learn for the sake of vocabulary. This is actually a description of the whole entire human condition. And not just the human condition broadly, but the broken humanity that is in you, the broken humanity that is in me. These words are helpful for understanding the gravity of what sin is. The gravity of what sin, what sin does, because sin really is quite all-encompassing. Sin is not just the occasional glance at someone attractive as they walk past you on the bike track. Sin is not just that laziness at work that is stealing the time that you are employed for. Sin is not just those words that you use to lash out at a family member the other day. No, sin runs so much deeper. These things are sin, but sin runs so much deeper because sin comes from our heart. A heart that at its core is rejection of God, the God who created and loves all things. It's choosing, sin is choosing, like Adam and Eve did, to choose to live for themselves, to choose to live in opposition of God. Like the party that I went to that time, uh, we, had, we have this case of mistaken identity where God is the one that is worthy of all honor and all glory and all respect and where we choose to put anything else, choose to put ourselves in that place. Sin is mistaking, mistaken identity. And it's not just a 21st party for a friend. No, this is the holy and perfect creator, the king of the universe, who is forever holy, forever good, forever majestic, forever just. Our words and our actions and our deeds that don't honor God are definitely sin, but there's so much more to it than that. Because sin runs deeper. Our hearts are broken. Our hearts are in rebellion against God. They are unclean and they are crooked. And so often it's the sin that's in our heart that shows itself in our lives. I read through Romans chapter 1 to 2 earlier this week, which really convicted me of my sin. It gave me a bleak picture of humanity and a sadness in my own heart for my own rejection of God. For times in my life and for times in the last week where I have been full of malice or I have been greedy or deceitful or arrogant, each and every single one of these moments is sin, but this is just the tip of the iceberg that is my heart. It's bleak. The picture of the human condition is bleak. 
And then I got to Romans chapter 3. Have a read with me from verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is such a massive picture, isn't it, of what sin is? I don't think that anyone could look at that and think, nah, I'll be right. She'll be right. It'll be okay. No. Because to have integrity with yourself before God is to recognize that you are not perfect. That this picture of all of humanity actually also is a picture of you. That you haven't sought after God with your entire self. That you haven't fully and utterly recognized your need for Jesus. And this sin, this picture of sin just here, this sin cannot just be brushed over by God. The holy God of the universe cannot just sweep sin under, the ro- under a rug. No, sin leads to judgment. Sin leads to death. And so the moment that Adam and Eve chose to reject the giver of life, they chose death. And from that moment onwards, death has reigned in our world until one point that we'll have a look at later. The problem with humanity is pretty all-encompassing. Sin and selfishness and slavery to all of this run deeper in our hearts than we can comprehend, and that is because of our nature. That is because of who we are, and that is because all humanity is fallen from Adam. Understanding that our nature as people is broken, is really, really helpful. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to continue through the Bible, continue unpacking what is called the doctrine of original sin. That is that all people are broken from the start. That we don't kind of somehow start good and then end up evil. No, all people are rotten. All people are corrupt. All people are vile. Our nature is broken. Here's part of Romans chapter 5, which we had read out for us earlier. I hope that's in your Bible in front of you so that you can see that this is the Word of God and not just what I'm saying. Here's Romans chapter 5, verse 12 and verse 18. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. In verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Adam sinned back in Genesis way, 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 way long ago. One person sinned, and as a result of that, as our representative, we sinned as well. One person was condemned, and we are condemned as well. Because from the moment that Adam took a bite of that fruit, the moment that Adam chose himself instead of God, that, w- that marked a spiritual shift in our DNA. 
as humans. That has struck every single one of us since. While humanity is made in God's image, it's clear that there's a deep problem that has affected literally every single person. It's not to say that each and every one of us would unleash some sort of tremendous evil on the world if we could. No, it's saying that each one of us is tied up in the actions of Adam. Each one of us, by nature, are corrupt and guilty and deserving of the righteous punishment that God will bring. Now, you might be like me sometimes and look at Genesis 3 and think, Eve, come on, you idiot. Why would you listen to a talking snake? Or Adam, come on, come on, man. God literally just said that thing. Why are you going to go and do that? But we would have done the same because our heart is the same. We would have wanted to choose that because we, by nature, are sinful. Because death affects everyone. Sin affects everyone. We are unclean and there is nothing that we can do about it. Now, one of the things that has surprised me recently about myself is that I'm more and more appreciating homewares. Yes, that's right. This is the famous, uh, apparently, fry pan illustration. Claire and I were kindly given a new fry pan by our friends Emma and Dave. So guys, if you're watching, thank you. We took it out of the box. It was new. It was pristine. It was shiny. It was sparkly. It was the best thing ever. And we cooked some dumplings and bam, it was ruined forever. Oh, this is the fry pan here. Where are we? Um, I'm sorry, Emma and Dave. All of the soaking, all of the scrubbing, all of the tears, none of it helps. No amount of chemical concoction that I can find on the internet will be able to return this fry pan to its original condition. There is nothing, because it has been dirty, it has been uncleaned, there is nothing that can restore it fully. There is no amount of scrubbing, there is no amount of cleaning that can fix that. When it comes to us, when it comes to our sin, our fallen state before God, there is no amount of self-righteous scrubbing that we can do to work off some of the grime that coats our heart. There is no amount of cleaning that we can, we can do by our good deeds to kind of restore ourselves back to the way God had intended in Genesis 1 to 2. No, by nature, we are dirty. We are vile. We are evil. Hannah Montana nailed it when she said, nobody is perfect. People suck, every single one of us. Have you noticed that you don't actually need to teach a child how to be selfish? You don't have to teach a child how to lie. The moment they can speak is the moment they can lie. You don't have to, to teach a child not to, to hit people. I got confused. You know what I'm trying to say. Our heart from birth is broken, is fallen. The sin that is in our heart manifests as sin in our thoughts and in our actions. We lash out with our words and our fists. We take without considering others. We try to worship anything that is not God because we have a heart that longs to live for itself. We at nature are sinful because we are in Adam, because human nature is broken. 
Now, you might be thinking, wow, I'm so glad I tuned into church tonight. What, a, what an uplifting message from Josh. I'm so encouraged. No, this isn't the end. Knowing the bad news about our sin, the true, the true news about our sin, helps us see the good news of Jesus this much more. So here are a few implications that we have for knowing our sin, for knowing our depravity, our brokenness before God. And here is the first one. Knowing our sin drives us to a deeper understanding, gratitude and gratefulness of God's love for us. Knowing the depths of our sin drives us to know the riches and the magnificence of God's grace. It was fascinating getting to know Tim and Elaine last week at 6.45, and I found it really interesting when Tim said that he had been reading through Romans 1 and 2, which I had this week earlier, and that it, as he became a Christian, it broke him as a person, that he needed to recognize the weight of his sin before he could then understand the grace that has been given him. I wonder if that's the same story for you as it is for Tim, as it is for me. Knowing the depths of our sin knowing how, helps us see how great it is. Knowing the depths of the sin shows us the heights of God's love for us. Because God knew our whole heart. God knew our sin. He knew our rebellion against him. He knew that not a part of us was good. But knowing this, he still forgave us in Jesus Knowing our sin, he still sent Jesus. This is where Paul goes to through Romans 5, which we're going to spend some more time in next week as we think about our humanity. But I'm just going to steal a bit of Tim's thunder now from Romans 5. If by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Sin runs deep in the hearts of you and I, and yet the grace of God in Jesus is that much bigger. We need Jesus to save us. Jesus, the only man who was perfect, the only man who was without sin, and yet chose to become sin for us, who died on the cross 2,000 years ago for the sin of you and I who trust in him, and through his literal resurrection from the dead, buried sin forever. How this helps us to love the love that God has for us even more. Knowing our sin as well helps us, know, drives us to hate and to flee from our sin all the more. Our sin separates us from God. We've, we've seen that tonight. We've looked at our sin tonight. And yet Jesus died to save us. Jesus died to save those who trusted him from sin. Sin no longer rules over us. As we looked at through Galatians over the last few weeks, over the last term, we've seen that we have been set free from sin. We have been set free from sin to flee from sin. Been freed from sin for Jesus. We ought not to use uh, being sinful from birth as an excuse to just keep on sinning. We ought not to excuse, uh, use the excuse that we are sinful to keep us stuck in our sin. This week, as I've been wrestling with my own sinfulness and spending all this time in God's Word, I've been struck afresh with the evil that is in my heart. 
I've been married only three weeks, and yet despite that, I've seen the ways that my sinful heart has brought hurt to another. How much more does that sinful heart hurt our God? No, we have been saved from sin to sin no more. In Jesus, say no to sin because he is the one that is worth saying yes to, the one who forgives us. And lastly, knowing uh, the extent of our sin, knowing how God sees our sin, drives us to understand why the world that we are living in is the way that it is. The brokenness of this world should not come as a surprise to us. We know that we are sinful by nature. We know that from Genesis 3 onwards, history has been changed forever, that things are not meant to be perfect. Despite that, it's still hard though, isn't it, when things hurt? When sickness, when death, when disease run rampant in our world, when wars and factions and, and tension, we know that this is because of sin. The moment that sin entered the world, so did death and all suffering. This world is groaning as Paul says later in Romans. And yet, our current groaning is not the end of the story. The beautiful part about knowing our sin is knowing that Jesus will return and will restore everything and help us understand and have hope for this world that much more. It isn't until Jesus returns home that, uh, returns to call the people he's made for himself home, that the people of God and the world of God will be fully liberated and fully restored, made utterly and completely new by Jesus and through our Father who loves us and values us deeply. The brokenness of this world ought to drive us to hope for the restoration of the people in it and this world all the more, the people that trust Jesus. And not only that, but for others as well. Knowing our sin helps us see that people are sometimes pretty mediocre. But knowing our sin, knowing the forgiveness we've been given that we don't deserve, and knowing that God has forgiven those people in the same way, forgiven our brothers and sisters in Christ in the same way, boy, does that destroy any sense of superiority or arrogance before other people. Fallen is a key part of our identity. Sinful is a key part about who our creator says that we are. The human image is twisted, is broken, and is corrupted. Is there hope in humanity alone? Not at all. Knowing the extent of our sin shows us no. There can be no perfect utopia. There can be no perfect society because people, while they are beautiful in God's image, are broken. There will always be anger. There will always be unkind words or violence or lack of peace as long as we do not have Jesus as, as number one, as long as he has not yet returned. But even though that's a key part of our identity, it is not all. Knowing the, knowing the extent of our sin helps us long for the most beautiful part of our identity, and that is that we are children of God. We're no longer defined by our sin, by our rejection, but by our creator who calls us his children. In Jesus, we're no longer sinful, but we are saved. We are freely forgiven and washed and made holy. We have an identity that is bigger than that of our sin and one with a hope that we look forward to for that sin to be fully taken away when Jesus returns. So despite our sin... 
We are not like me at Michaela's 21st, unfit for the party, unfit for the party with a case of mistaken identity and a lack of respect. No, in Jesus, we are forgiven. We are loved. We are cherished. I hope that you see that there is only one way, and that is through trusting in Jesus. That is through trusting in Jesus alone to be free of sin. We can't do this on ourselves, by ourselves. The next song we're going to sing uh, is all about the tiredness and the hurt that comes from attempting to make ourselves right with God by ourselves. I hope that you can stand and sing freely the freedom that we have through trusting in Jesus who has taken our sin for us. And we're going to sing Relent Now. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed singing loudly in your lounge room. Uh, we're going to now move to a Q&A with Josh. And look, we've got a lot of questions coming through. We won't have time to get to all of them, but there will be a sermon extra tomorrow at 5 o'clock, I understand. Uh, at a point in time that I will work out. <laughs> There that I'll commit to when I, when I do. Stay tuned for that <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, but Josh, firstly, uh, Beck asks, we're starting with the hard questions. Beck asks, <laughs> have you tried bicarb soda? Yeah. Um, look, uh, I've had a lot of suggestions. Uh, quite a few people at Morning Church emailed me some really helpful articles, which I was really thankful for. We, um, <laughs> we tried everything, but like, it's clean now, but it's also scratched. So that was like... Whatever, you can't destroy the illustration. Like, let me ham it up a bit for the sake of the talk. Um, but thank you. No, next time I will do uh, bicarb soda. Thank you, Beck. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, Liam asks, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, Liam asks, <laughs> was, Jesus born, was Jesus born into original sin? How does that shape the way we consider that Jesus was 100% human and also 100% God? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's one of those magical Christian maths problems, which is like one plus one equals one. Human plus God equals God-human, God-man. Yeah, so we see that um, Jesus was born of, uh, born of Mary, um, yet conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, that we see, I don't have a verse for this, unfortunately, um, but I'll see if I can come back to that at Sermon Extra, that we say that because uh, Jesus was, uh, yeah, was a human in every, in every regard, he was, he was taken kind of this human flesh, yet he had the spirit indwelling in him. Um, that is where kind of we see the perfection of Jesus, the sinless perfection of Jesus that is in him, um, that while he had human all human features is 100% human. He was also 100% uh, God. And so that's how we are able to see, I guess, him not take original sin because God is completely holy and righteous and perfect. Uh, not take original sin, yet also represent humanity before Jesus on our behalf as our great high priest and mediator. Yeah. Excellent question, Liam. You did very well, brother, on the spot. Well oh, done. Thank you. Uh, now, Mark is asking a question here, and it keeps switching back and forth as people like it, but uh, how should we respond to grace-heavy, repentance-light Christianity? Mm. Yeah, I think uh, with grace and repentance. I think we, we need to 
um, yeah, recognize and, and, and love uh, the work that God is doing in, in different churches where the gospel is preached, where people hear the truth of the good news of Jesus and hear the, the realities of our sin and our need to repent and put our trust in Jesus. That's what Jesus said. Mark 1.15, he says, repent and believe the good news. Um, I think there is a lot of, we looked um, at Galatians last term, there's a lot of false teaching or teaching that kind of misses the mark out there. And I'm not saying that we do a perfect job, but we're doing our best to teach the Word of God. And the Word of God speaks a lot about the realities of our sin, um, the realities of our need to repent and our uh, need to look to Jesus and to trust Jesus. And so I think... um, Christianity that doesn't recognize sin or doesn't teach about sin or doesn't repent from sin, I'm not going to say it's not Christianity because I am not God, but I would urge people to, to be looking at Scripture and to be looking at what God is really saying um, and that the good news of Jesus needs the, black, the bad news of um, the realities of judgment. Because if people don't need to be saved from anything, then what's the point of the Savior? Um, someone told me this morning, Alison Soper, who ran the kids' spot, um, that the, um, as a diamond ring is presented, it's not presented just kind of in someone's hand. It's against this, this black backdrop. So that as we understand the realities, the reality of our sin, the sparkly goodness of the gospel of Jesus shines all the more. Um, I don't know if that's a sentence anyone's ever said before, so I take credit. Thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> leave the questions there. There's been a number of big questions come through mm. on Slido. And Josh, I, I understand you've got a bit of work ahead of you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Sermon Extra at some point this week, which I will commit to tomorrow. And you will see me there. <laughs>